the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Decidedly uh, Texas flair, decidedly Dixie, decidedly South, decidedly non-Prager, non-California. It must be a fill-in guy. Welcome, everybody. Mark Davis, your Texas talk show buddy today. Dennis is back tomorrow to finish up the week for you, to finish you up for this Friday. And I'm just thrilled to be here, as I always am. I always take stock of what has happened since we were last together. Not that I don't pretend that all of y'all are marking time since I was here last, but uh, I do, because I do the, the, for those unfamiliar, I'm the very happy uh, Monday through Friday morning host here at Salem's own 660 AM, the answer in Dallas-Fort Worth. And uh, my regular broadcast routine is punctuated by these wonderful opportunities that I get to come fill in for Dennis every once in a while, fill in for Hugh Hewitt sometimes, fill in for the great Larry Elder, which I will do tomorrow, by the way, if you want to fill in your listening dance there and um, especially in this day and time it is um, it's particularly surreal as we work our way through the summer and I guess it was earlier in the summer when we were talking about various things related to the election to be sure related to the virus to be sure and, and those things those stories are the same but they are very different now and I've been listening all week and listening to everybody's shows on this Labor Day shortened week and so I, I come to you this morning with a couple of things that I want to do that are very uh, broad in terms of uh, virus progress, in terms of President Trump's progress, in terms of the status of the Biden campaign, in terms of a couple of things that are unique to today on the calendar. tonight, A, a day like today is usually a national holiday to me. It is the beginning of the NFL season, and I could not possibly care less. The world champion, Kansas City Chiefs, and I loved Pat Mahomes, Texas Tech, guns up. How do you not love that? Uh, the Cowboys can't make it. That was a, a wonderful result last year. This year, I could not possibly care less. What drove me away? What drove you away if it did? What is it that has smashed our ability to enjoy sports? There's a, a, a pretty... Interesting and compelling NBA postseason underway, I understand. Can't prove it by me, because I ain't watching. This might have happened since I was here last. Uh, a little Twitter war between Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban and Ted Cruz. I kind of started that. I, and I, I don't know if I say that proudly. <laughs> I, I, live to, I live to bring people together with whatever they want to do naturally. Uh, listen, let me tell you that story in a second. Because uh, it, it, uh, the answer to that question is 
the social justice activism. Listen, I do talk shows for a living. I'm all about differences of opinion and slinging hot opinions and debating things out and hashing them out and agreement and disagreement. I'm all about that. But when people venture into the realm that I have usually had for my entire life to escape all of that, to get past all of that, when they seek to hijack it for a a political statement, I'm out. I'm out. So I've been out on the NBA. It looks like I'll be out on the NFL. And here in in the DFW area, our vaunted Dallas Cowboys, so-called America's team. Are you kidding me? America's team taking a knee during the anthem? Now, we don't have our game. It's at Los Angeles, at the Rams uh, on Sunday. And that's kind of a Rams thing. I guess the home team figures out what it's going to do. And if they're all down there kneeling as the opposing team, well, well, I guess we better do it too. I'm going to hold the Cowboys responsible when they have their home opener against Atlanta on the 20th. And if one knee hits the turf, I reach for the remote, and I am gone. They have done this to me. They have driven me away. Now, well, I'll go ahead and tell you the story. So I mentioned uh, with regard to the NBA. Uh, look, because the Mavericks, are you kidding me? Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis, interesting if tough to pronounce roster. And, uh, and I said, man, I, I wish the Mavericks best, but I'll tell you if they, and, and by the way, Black Lives Matter on the shirts, slogans on the back of the jerseys, stuff festooned across the court, knock yourselves out, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do. Jack with the anthem and I'm gone. If one knee hits the court down there in the Florida bubble, I'm gone. Mark Cuban tweets back to me. Bye. Bye. One word, three letters. Ted Cruz weighs in. Really? He says. <laughs> really? You're going to give the back of your hand to everybody that values the flag and the anthem? And the answer is apparently so. So the NBA is dead to me. And the NFL, which has always been my favorite sport ever, is about to be dead to me too. And they don't, and they do not care. They do not care. If that, listen, speaking of the Rams, a lot of y'all are out in Los Angeles. I have loved watching, uh, Hard Knocks, the HBO, uh, documentary on the fly. It's been about the Rams and the Chargers. They're doing both the, the LA teams. Y'all are about to open up a new stadium out there. Looks great. <laughs> See how that works out. Um, this is, it's, it, they don't care. They just don't care. The kneeling mentality is it's about me and my views. And if you are not just repel, and and this is, this is the irony. This is the ridiculous irony. We don't disagree as a country. We're totally ready to, to, to not have or to try to reduce as best we can incidents like the George Floyd death to look really hard at what happened with Jacob Blake in Kenosha. I don't know. I mean, that, that video to my untrained layperson eye looks pretty bad. But you know what? Then I had a bunch of cops call. I had, I had one guy call me and say, okay, Mark, here's the deal. You're, the guy's a lawbreaker. He is evading arrest. He's resisting arrest. He is uh, disobeying lawful orders. He knows we've drawn down on him, and he's diving into his car to get what? To get, to I don't know, knife? Knife is involved. 
Do we know that that it, and what everybody what everybody says what everybody says is well they just they just should have waited they just should have waited let's just see what this young man had in mind there are graveyards filled with cops who waited and I and I ain't having it this notion that they always need to sit around and you know just you know, file four types of paperwork until we find out whether somebody wants to kill you now is this me saying that i know the jacob blake shooting in kenosha was uh, was clean no i do not no i do not but you know what nor does anybody else know that it was improper that's why we have evidence that's why we have facts that's why we take the time to look at these things that america is gone that america has been swamped in the fires of riots shattered in the glass in the streets tossed to the curb by kneeling athletes who don't care about doing the hard and heavy lifting you know if if characters like lebron james stepped forward and said look uh we're we're going to speak out on our own time and we're going to help with 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 relations between these police departments and their communities and look at training, look at de-escalation, look at maybe the grip that police unions have over the inability to get rid of some cops who maybe shouldn't ought to be cops or as long as they have. Because I don't know about you, but I am also tired of hearing that, well, you know, officer, whatever, this was his like uh, 12th uh, complaint against him. What? How is this guy still a cop? And I'm not talking about anybody in particular. Just every once in a while, you'll hear that. Maybe there are some people we ought to get rid of. Maybe there's some bad seeds we need to get rid of more conscientiously. But those conversations aren't happening because there's kneeling and rioting and mouthing off and, and all of this political nonsense. And, and listen, at some point today, because only got one day this week, <laughs> um, right here in DFW, King Daddy Airline of DFW, American Airlines, going to let the... Uh, Flight attendants, whoever else, I don't know, wear Black Lives Matter pins. Are they insane? Are they patently insane? And if anybody is saying, well, they're just, all they want to do is just kind of reveal how valuable life is and how sensitive they are to, to police brutality. No. We all, we all oppose police brutality. We all value black lives and everybody else's as well. Uh, Black Lives Matter is a radical, anti-family, anti-First Amendment, fascist, Marxist group. Black Lives Matter is a wonderful sentence in the English language. It's a beautiful sentiment. As a group, it's terrible. It's terrible. And the pin says advocacy. The pin says advocacy. Let me duck out, because that was me getting all mouthy. We usually say a little prayer at the beginning of every show I do locally. I'm going to do one for you right here nationwide. Next, Mark Davison for Dennis, 1-8-Prager-776, 1-8-Prager-776. Real glad to be here. Talk to you in a minute. The Dennis Prager Show. Hi, Dennis Prager here again with a message for anyone struggling with pain. Of course, I want you to know about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that tens of thousands are now taking every day. I take it every day. I like being out of pain. But I know you may be skeptical. I certainly was. Then I kept hearing about all the people, including my wife, who were no longer in pain. So I decided to give it a try. In fact, listen to Janice's story. I was skeptical at first. But because of the pain that I was having when I would uh, substitute teach and have to climb stairs, so I have lower back, hip, and even knee pain. And after about three weeks, I found that I could climb stairs pain-free. 
But it wasn't only pain-free. I could do it step over step without holding on the railing. I'm really happy. It it makes me feel like I'm young again. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384. Live from the Relief Factor Pain-Free Studio. And if you do that, you'll notice, hey, that does not look like Dennis Prager. And York, that doesn't look like Dennis's room. I mean, my gosh, Dennis must be out. He's back tomorrow with you right now. You're right here with me in Irving, Texas, visually, if you're watching there at DennisPrager.com. Here in the studios of 660 AM, The Answer, where every morning I do the show from 7 to 10 AM. And I begin before I start ranting and raving about anything or taking calls or slinging hot opinions about anything. And this is pr- I did it the first day I was, I was yanked back from vacation. Remember that day in the middle of March, this was March 11th or something, when the NBA shut down and we learned that Tom Hanks had it, and oh my gosh, and all the restaurants are freaking out. We're all wondering what lies ahead. And I came back from vacation to do a Thursday show, and I said, look, uh, before we talk about anything, because this is very strange and nobody knows where this is going to go, I think we need to have uh, a word with God. And I prayed. And I've done it every day since. And the whole COVID thing may be past us in a couple of months or hopefully next year or whatever. I don't envision stopping this. What, you think we're going to run out of things to pray about? (laughs) The, The list may grow, especially if November 3rd doesn't go the way we need. So, Lord, today we ask you for wisdom and for goodwill. The wisdom to navigate our problems from COVID-19 to social strife to anything else to fill us with the energy to be smart and safe as we reclaim our lives here in the virus era. Let us lift up those whose lives and livelihoods have been sidelined or affected in some way by shutdowns and restrictions. Help us find smart solutions to all of our social problems, even as troublemakers seek to divide us. Amid these divisions, let us treat each other with respect and patience as we work together to change what should be changed, but to resist those who would opportunistically sweep aside vast portions of our history and our culture. Remind us, Almighty God, that in these most challenging of times that you are always here to show us, to unite us, to follow your guidance, and to show us to treat each other as we would like to be treated. Because if we follow you, Lord, we know we can get through anything. And we ask these things in your holy name. Amen. All righty. 1-8-Prager-776, 1-8-Prager-776. Here's 60 seconds for me on on the Trump tapes and the Woodward book and all of this nonsense. Then we'll go to calls about stuff I brought up and things you may yet want to bring up. Everything is seen through the lens of 2020 hindsight, and those lenses are coded with a special treatment of Trump hatred in the case of many. And it, it when I, I take a look at some of these reactions from the left, this is another smear because people are looking at it today with, you know, 190,000, uh, you know, cases and the various number of people, you know, or 190,000 dead, excuse me. And the, and the, you know, millions of cases. And did anybody know exactly how this was going to go? Did they know that it was going to be this bad? Did some people think it was going to be not as bad? Did some people think it was going to be worse? 
You know, I mentioned that day that I came back from vacation to, to suddenly thrust back into the talk show world, I guess, March 11th. I remember the shows I was doing that day. I remember that I, I said, listen, here we are. It's going to be something. Let, let's be ready for it in some way. I didn't know we were going to shut down everybody's life for, for an entire season. And I oppose that every step of the way. Still do. We did not have to do this. When you run your entire policy through virus mitigation and only virus mitigation and have no place in your heart and no place in your mind and no place in your agenda for people's lives and how they are grotesquely shattered against the curb, people's schooling, people's jobs, people's livelihoods, people's retirement. Oh, we got to try to reduce the virus to zero. We were never going to be do that. We we're never going to be able to do that. It's a stinking virus. It's going to kill some people. One death is too many. I hate that. Some viruses are going to be more deadly than others. But that whole speculative mindset puts me in the thought of what President Trump was talking about. One phone call in February, one in March. Those are the ones that make it all the big news. Oh, look what he said. It's like he knew. He knew it was going to be this bad. And he didn't tell us. What a load of hooey. The 2020 hindsight throw in with the, the the dishonest, corrupt media culture. And what you end up with is people suggesting that, that somehow Joe Biden would have known better. There's audio of Joe Biden at the end of February saying, don't everybody panic. Saying, don't panic. Biden saying, don't panic. No kidding. Fauci said, don't panic. Surgeon General said, don't wear a mask. That was America of late winter. So now that we sit there and take a look through the wisdom, that some would call it wisdom, the wisdom that we now have, here in, in September, and we think we now have known everything ever since February and March. This is a ridiculous smear. It is a couple of days story, and there is nothing more comical than people just with a pearl clutching, oh, we got him now. This is worse than Watergate. Good grief. Anyway, Artie, we are in... Uh, we're in Houston. Hey, Jermaine. Mark Davis in for Dennis. How are you? Hello. Hi. Um, I'm reminded of the 20, 2016 election and the mm-hmm. unprecedented amount of opposition that Trump received from not only the other candidates in the race, but prominent conservative commentators, conservative publications like the National Review. Both former Republican presidents refused to endorse him. We had this never Trump phenomenon, which yeah, I see how that, see how that heard worked out before. Then, yeah. then he was selected. Then it was a nationwide protest that we didn't even see in 2000. And then the scores of people in his administration, from General Kelly to Sessions. To, well, to it, if, if I sense like where him. you're going, first he of all, the never, first of family, all, the never Trumpers, Jermaine, Jermaine, we got it. We got a couple of minutes from the never Trumpers are insignificant. The the number of actual the, the the actual commentators coming out against him were never particularly conservative. National Review embarrassed itself. He has stratospheric support among Republicans, and so he's either going to win or he's going to lose. And this notion of that, oh, he's so divisive. Listen, do you remember Obama? I'm a conservative. I I, I was on fire with uh, discord every day of, 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 of that horrible presidency. Every presidency is going to have people who like it and people who don't. 
This one in that regard is not particularly different. The one that's different about this one is the change is real. Conservatism has never had a bigger bullhorn. So there are two groups of people that are going to be fussing and whining and moaning. Liberals and squishy conservatives. And that's what you're hearing. General Kelly is a squishy conservative? General Kelly is a snake. Jim Mattis is a snake. John Bolton is a snake. These are people, and I'm sorry, they absolutely are. These are, maybe not so much Kelly. I think Kelly has an honest streak. Mattis is a snake. John Bolton is, is a turncoat. These are people who who were freaked out by Trump. They thought they'd be able to change him, and they learned otherwise, didn't they? So the change is real. The change is real. It's bolder than it's been since Reagan. America either likes it enough to reelect him or doesn't. And we're going to find out on the 3rd of November. But this notion that, oh, this is so divisive, so terrible. Yeah, No, it's not. No, it's not. I'm loving every day. Thank God he won. And I'm going to move heaven and earth to help him win again. We'll see how that works out. Mark Davison for Dennis. Stick around. It's the Thursday Dennis Prager Show. Dennis is back tomorrow. I'm Mark Davis filling in from 660 AM, the answer. In Dallas-Fort Worth, talking about all kinds of things. Uh, of course, a lot of it swirls around the, the vortex that is the election, where America itself is on the ballot. The police are on the ballot. Radicals pushing to defund law enforcement, doing nothing to deter the looting and violence, tearing apart our nation's cities. Our safety is on the ballot. Our way of life is on the ballot. So... Really glad to urge you to join in an effort sponsored by Job Creators Network, working with the biggest conservative hosts in America, all of us here on the Salem Radio Network. Uh, the election's about one thing, turnout. And the left has their get-out-the-vote machinery, and we need ours. That's why the single most important thing you can do to save our country is go to keepamericaamerica.com. Keepamericaamerica.com. Dot com. Get it? And become a volunteer in the biggest get-out-the-vote effort in conservative history. You'll be given tasks that can make a difference in November. Do a little, do a lot, but please do something. Go to KeepAmericaAmerica.com right now. That's Keep America America. Okay, to the phones. Mark Davison for Dennis. We are in Rockland, California. Hey, Melanie. Mark in for Dennis. How are you? Happy Thursday. Hi, Mr. Davis. Happy Thursday. This Hi. is Melanie. I had uh, had the privilege of speaking to you last time you were in. That's great. And you inspired you inspired me to call this time with your remark on the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my dad and I have followed college sports. We, you know, we love college football. I enjoy the NFL for the Super Bowl. You know, the commercials in that uh, mm-hmm. show. Sure. And. It's really sad, you know, the people who are avid NFL fans, you know, they, they love those teams just like I love the college teams. Sure. And what these men are choosing to do, to kneel, what really inspired me or triggered me to call you is that those men are still young enough to have grandfathers that fought in World War II or were participated in the war effort or yeah. did something and these guys don't care. Those their grandfathers must be disgusted if they're still alive or rolling in their graves if they're not, because they didn't fight for that flag yeah. to have their grandchildren behave this way. Couple of things. Some who have worn up. the fl- some some some, and it's not many, but it's some who who, who wear that flag today will tell you, yeah, we did. 
They'll say, we, 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 we wear that flag so that you guys can express yourselves in any way you wish. And that's technically true. However, uh, this is not about anybody's rights. It's not about the right to do anything. It's about whether it is right. Of course, everybody's got the right to engage in whatever kind of uh, a prank, whatever kind of, uh, of of narcissistic exercise they wish. You're not going to be hauled off to jail. You have the right. If your employer says no, they have the right to keep you from doing it. But the NFL doesn't have the guts to do that. People try to toss this in my face all the time. They say, well, you know, you know, my dad was a, you know, a, a Navy SEAL and, and he thinks this kneeling thing is okay. Well, good for him. Okay. Vast majority of veterans don't. I believe the majority of Americans don't. And please understand everybody. None of this is about rights. It's about whether it is right. It's about whether it is proper to hijack the national anthem for your own political statement. And maybe this is the most important thing I'll say today. I'm universally broad about this observation if somebody came to me one year and said hey mark we want to we want to kneel in the anthem because there's too much abortion in america or we want to kneel for the anthem because our borders are too soft or our taxes are too high or a hundred issues that i'm passionate about for my entire life and they say we want to kneel during the anthem to reveal our passion about this issue i would tell them do not do it don't jack with the anthem and so if you do run across someone who is sufficiently ambivalent about the flag and the anthem, even somebody who has worn the uniform or who wears it today, respect their view because they have a right to their view just like I have a right to mine and you got a right to yours. But make a point to them that what you want to establish, what you want to reestablish is an America in which the anthem is the one place, the one place where we unite where we understand that we feel different ways about different things and we have all kinds of different passions and different ways to feel about things. But the anthem is the place where we put all of those differences aside and we unite to celebrate this country that lets us have these differences of opinion. The anthem itself is not a place to bring your specific opinions. It is the opposite of that. It's a place to say we're a diverse nation, diverse racially, diverse religiously, diverse ideologically. But for this minute and 20 seconds, we will stand united and and show respect for this country that allows it. Mark Davison for Dennis Prager. Be right back. The Dennis Prager Show. It is the Thursday Dennis Prager Show here on this September 10th. 2020. Uh, Boy, I've made reference for a couple of decades to a September 10th mentality. You know what that means? It means the notion of it's a reference to September 10th, 2001, when we all blithely walked around unaware of the level of uh, danger that the jihadist world posed to us. Well, we found out the following day, didn't we? And tomorrow is the 19th anniversary of uh, of 9-11. Um, when we get into the next hour, let me work through some calls here, but I, I can go ahead and invite this now if you want to do it. Uh, did we win the war on terror and nobody told us? I mean, I knew there was never going to be a parade, never going to be a signing ceremony on the deck of the USS Missouri. We had VJ Day, VE Day, got rid of Hitler, got rid of Imperial Japan. Uh, there, there was never going to be a VT Day, a victory over terror. But have we, I mean, we're drawn down troops. ISIS and, you know, beheadings and stuff seem like stuff from headlines past. I always said that victory, air quotes, in the war on terror was going to be a different kind of, of definition by which 
we understood that there was always going to be some residual amount of terrorism that would rear its head from time to time. But victory would be when we didn't have entire parts of the of, of the world that seemed like they were hell-bent on killing us. We didn't have entire regimes out of control toward that evil end. And, uh, and, and it was not going to be like flipping a switch where we'd wake up one morning and go, oh, well, I guess we're done with that. And I wonder if maybe we're there. So maybe let's start to ask in the next hour. You can go ahead and place your calls now. One eight Prager seven seven six. Did we kind of win the war on terror, and it was just so gradual and so slow that we just kind of go, okay, well here we are. The other thing I want to do is I am sixty two, and so for nine eleven I'm forty three. My daughter is twenty, about to turn twenty nine, and so she was a teenager. A teenager, shoot, she was a pre-adolescent. <laughs> I was, math skills are not my strong suit. <laughs> uh, she was like third grade. and uh, But maybe you were a teenager. Maybe you were six. Or maybe you were two. I mean, there are adults walking around who have no real memory. No, I mean, you're technically an adult. You just turned 21. What's your memory of 9-11? You got nothing. You're a toddler. So what does it really mean to you? Is it like Pearl Harbor to me? Pearl Harbor happened 16 years before I was born. I'm well aware of it. I talked to my parents about it. They were they were young kids for Pearl Harbor, but I have no firsthand, you know, wrap my heart around, wrap my brain around kind of thing about Pearl Harbor. So there are a whole lot of folks walking around for whom 9-11 is that same thing. Give me a buzz. Let's uh, spend a moment on that uh, because we're not together tomorrow. Dennis is. And uh, so, hey, this is my shot. So I'm taking it now. The September 10th mentality, uh, to be sure. 1-8-Prager-776. Back to your calls. Let's see what's going on. We are in Livermore, California. Ray, hi. Mark Davison for Dennis. How are you? It's always a pleasure to have you filling in for Dennis. Or Thank for you. Larry. Thank you, Mark Davis. You're a Appreciate wonderful, it. sound, grounded voice. Um uh, speaking on the NBA, NFL, American Airlines, I think it's it's really unfortunate when you lecture and condemn good people, honest people of goodwill on sins that they have not committed. You're you're actually diminishing your your cause and your message. In fact, you're creating contempt for the very thing that that you're trying to gain support on. What a, what a spectacular point, because wouldn't you ordinarily think, if you're about some type of social justice, that your goal is to attract people to your point of view with how compelling your argument is, how inviting you are for new adherence to your point of view, and the whole BLM, America's racist hellhole, uh, you know, everybody else sucks, it, it, it drives people away rather than attracts them. Correct. Um, when you yell in my face with a bullhorn while I'm trying to eat dinner on yeah. a city street because I can't go inside yeah. because of some ridiculous government mandate, you're not going to make me sympathetic to your cause. I'm no. sorry. No, and, and you know, and Ray, I'll tell you what. This is something. It, it, it take. Let me just thank you. Thank you enormously. Here's here's a paragraph. I'm going to walk through very, very carefully. There are on the spectrum of American attitudes. There are people who have achieved all the enlightenment we should all have. And in America, we still have a sliver of people who are still stone-cold racists. They're, 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 they're not as many as some people would have you believe, but maybe fewer than some others might believe. On the spectrum in between that, full enlightenment and still in the caves of you know their own you know, racial issues, there are X million Americans, and I don't know what the number X is, who are in progress, who are in transit, who maybe they've, and maybe they're of a certain age, 
And maybe they, you know, grew up uh, tossing around an occasional what they thought was a harmless N-bomb. Hey, didn't mean it. You know, how many of us have relatives, especially who grew up in the South, have relatives who might have, you know, had that in the vernacular back in the 30s or the 40s or something like that? Well, maybe this was, uh, if you were, if you came of age in the 40s, 50s, 60s, if you're, if, if, if you're, 70 some years old just to pick an age the america of your young adulthood was not a racially enlightened place and maybe you haven't made that journey as much as some other folks anyway my point being if the idea is to create more racial enlightenment to create more goodwill to create more uh you know more people signing on to the cause of helping fight racism the worst thing you can do is blow stuff up, riot, call people names, say that we're a horrible racist country, go ripping down statues of everybody from Jefferson to Columbus. All that does is take those people who are sort of teetering on the brink of enlightenment, and it makes them go, oh, hell no, I'm good. And you lo- and, and, and here's the thing. That's what tells me, and it should tell you, that a lot of these activists do not care at all. All do not care at all about really winning people over. Do not care at all about winning a battle ideologically and doing the kind of heavy lifting that uh, that results in success. All they want to do is reach for power and money and attention and and viral clicks now. And, and that's really sad because really solving whatever problems we have left, and we do have some, requires serious work and goodwill. Mark Davison for Dennis. Stick around. Much more to come. The Dennis Prager Show. Dennis Prager Show. Final segment of the first hour here on Thursday, September 10th. I'm going to jump to this because I'm sufficiently interested. we got a lot of stuff going on. Are, is America going to boycott an America-hating NFL? The Trump-Woodward uh, pseudo-debacle. I want to do some Supreme Court talk because the president put out his list of Supreme Court justices, of potential Supreme Court justices. I love the list. Um, I'm going to take 30 seconds here. I love Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz is a friend of mine. I do not want him on the Supreme Court. Why, Mark? I thought you said you loved him. I thought you said that's exactly why. That entire list has like 20 people on it, all of whom are great constitutionalist justices. How many Ted Cruz's are there out there? If Ted Cruz is plucked from the Senate to go be on the Supreme Court, what does my state of Texas do? Who runs? Do I even know if I would like everybody? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Heck no, I don't want Ted Cruz in the Supreme Court. And it's because I love him. I want, and and, and you, when you're a Supreme Court justice, you speak through your uh, writings, your rulings, your opinions, and that's lovely. That's powerful stuff. But you can't be on cable shows. You can't come talk to me. You can't hang out. You can't go uh, out across America and fight for conservative values. And that's what I need Ted Cruz for. So <laughs> if his office wants me to stop saying that, I will. <laughs> Till then, that's my thought. All righty. Uh, I asked, since tomorrow is the 19th anniversary of 9-11, there were a couple, I asked, did we kind of win the war on terror and nobody told us? And the second thing was I wanted people sort of of a certain age uh, who were kids for 9-11 and now you're adults. And so here's a gentleman in Walnut Creek, California. And Daniel, not only are you in your early 30s, but I understand also that you were born in what was still the Soviet Union, correct? How you doing? Mark Davis in for Dennis. Good morning, Mark Davis. Pleasure to speak Hi. with you. Yeah, it's a correct. pleasure to have you. Thank you. 
Um, yours. So yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll let, let me just preface with, with what I'm about to say. With you know, I usually don't call into, into talk shows. I, I do listen funny and even uh, Dennis Prager. But you know, this is one of the things that I've grown more and more conservative since you know coming out of college. Um, uh-huh. Partly thanks hmm. to my parents, partly just seeing what's around me, and I just had to call in for something like this. You well, know, what, I, was, what was what was what was the circumstance? I, what was the circumstance that led to your birth? If if you you were born in what circa 1988? Uh, 87, yeah. Okay, gotcha. So the Berlin Wall had not fallen yet. Uh, what was going on in the... Nope. Why, why were you born in the USSR? Uh, just circumstances, World War II, um, you know, previous just conflicts around right. other parts of the Soviet Union and war with Germany. So okay. my grandparents fled and whatnot. Well, I got, so then I lit, and pardon, me, pardon me for bogging down. 30 seconds, what's, uh, what, is, what does tomorrow mean to you? You know, tomorrow's a big, a big deal for me. I grew up, you know, I was in sixth grade roughly when, when 9-11 happened. And mm-hmm. for most people, I feel like, especially nowadays, they probably lost sight of what, what 9-11 means. But totally. I remember very, very clearly waking up in the morning, sixth grade, seeing on television everybody in my family huddled around and given, consider the fact that we're immigrants. You That's know, what we, we all did. We were naturalized by then. And exactly. And and, York, and pardon me for being so brief and bogging down early with details, but if it's funny. Maybe one of those instances where folks who are immigrants might have even more clarity than those who was born here. Back in a moment. Hi, Dennis Prager here again with a message for anyone struggling with pain. Of course, I want you to know about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that tens of thousands are now taking every day. I take it every day. I like being out of pain. But I know you may be skeptical. I certainly was. Then I kept hearing about all the people, including my wife, who were no longer in pain. So I decided to give it a try. In fact, listen to Alan's story. I've been in back pain since my early 20s. Now I'm 51. In my early 20s, I worked for the state prison. I got injured and I was off work for about a year. I'm now a trained engineer. I basically sit all day long. My wife making me take Relief Factor literally changed my life. I don't feel like I'm 20 again, but my back does. Everyone knows you want something drug-free. You want something that will help your own body deal with the inflammation that can often cause pain in your neck, back, shoulder, hip, knee, or foot. Actually, even general aches and pains from just getting older, exercise, everyday living, all can be a real problem, even keeping you from sleeping through the night. So here's what I suggest you do. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father-son owners of Relief Factor, have created what they call a three-week quick start. It's a trial pack, and they've discounted it to just $19.95. That's about a dollar a day, and after that, about the cost of a cup of coffee a day to stay out of pain. That's the three-week quick start for just $19.95, and you should know this. About 70% of the people who order the three-week quick start for just $19.95 go on to order more. So do what so many others have already done. Take Pete and Seth Talbot up on their offer and go to relieffactor.com and order the three-week quick start. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384.